Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully subscribed and getting the Sun Ranto Show, Cubs Pod, and more great Cubs content from myself, Danny Rocket, Michael Cotton, and Allison Mitchell. Uh, we still have all of your series-by-series updates, plus the bleacher banter that you love. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the obvious Wilson Contreras heel turn for Bleed Cubby Blue and more. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? Uh, you know, we just lost two or three to the Cardinals at home, so I can't say it's going great. <laughs> I prefer to think of this as the as the series went one one one. So Wilson Contreras won the first game. He was involved in all the runs, and the Cubs lost. The Cardinals won the second game, and then the Cubs won the third game. <laughs> yeah, the, I guess you could say that, except for the fact that Wilson Contreras is technically a Cardinal, and boy, is yeah, he a Cardinal! Semantics, semantics. And, well, as long as we're starting with Wilson. Why did he steal Ronald McDonald's gloves to run the base? I don't to to bat with. I I don't understand why he, you know, he is kind of a clown, but you know, you didn't have to wear clown gloves. I think he's wearing yellow gloves because of the Venezuelan flag, and the Cardinals just don't have any blue for him to wear. Yeah, no, I know that's probably why he's doing it, but still, he looks like freaking Ronald McDonald. I just okay. I know that a bunch of Cubs fans and you included, and like a ton of our friends on Twitter. I was watching Joe go ten rounds with like the director of morale and obvious shirts last night on the Wilson Contreras question. I feel like Joe Kilgallen and I are the last holdouts, still cheering for Wilson no matter what. And I get it. Like the dude was up, like he was out there and he was asking people to rain down the booze, and he was having a moment and doing all this stuff, and he was bat flipping on walks and all the things that he's always done Mm -hmm. and i'm just like this is who he is you knew it was who he is you you loved it when it was part of the cubs now all of a sudden he's on the rival and of course he was going to do this i just sort of feel like this is such an obvious like if you loved wilson Contreras for who wilson Contreras was you should have anticipated literally all of this and i did and i'm fine with it like i'm still fine wanting good things for wilson Contreras, bad things for st louis and good things for the cubs It's fun to dislike him too. Like on the, my friends that are Brewers fans, my friends that are Cardinals fans, they have all the complaints about Wilson leaning over the plate, you know, talking trash all the time. You know, the, the White Sox fans, uh, the, yeah. Shushing them, uh, throwing the bat to the moon uh, during uh, the 2020 season where he had that moon bat flip. And so he's always been the guy that shows you up, but it was just as much fun for those fans to hate him because it's fun to boo a guy. And it's so if he wants to do the heel turn, he's just nothing but a showman. And, and that's great. Cause we did love that when he was our showman. Now he's their showman. So we can hate their showman, which is fun for us. So I, you know, maybe you're getting all wrapped up and really feel honest emotions of like disdain for him. I don't my, uh, my, my, uh, hatred is performative you know and just for fun it's like the heel turn i'll oblige that no problem so um and he loves it you know standing on second base with his mcdonald gloves in the air uh just loving every second of it and the and if you want the cubs to win do not boo him do not cheer him just do what the left field bleachers did which is open up a newspaper did you see this photograph 
of our friend Bleacher Jeff and Mullet it was Man. A little, it was a little over the top. Like you have to bring, you have to have the foresight to bring a newspaper to try to ignore Wilson Contreras. Like you, have, you are working too hard to ignore Wilson Contreras. It's, it's performative. It's just funny. You know, they're not trying to do anything except for be a bunch of goofballs. And like, that's how we fan. You know, so I would have, I wasn't able to go to this game, but I would have absolutely been out there with my newspaper. Cause that's funny. Cause that's not booing. I would never boo Wilson Contreras. My Thank idea you was for that. No, I wouldn't. I, I got it'll make him stronger. It did make him stronger. They booed him and he was like, Yeah, booby. And then I'm gonna bat flip walks and stand on second base <laughs> looking like Ronald McDonald. That's what I'm gonna do to you. And and no, it's not smart. It's the same as booing Braun. It's stupid. What you gotta do is ignore him. And uh then he won't do well. But they're gonna kick Cup fans will continue to boo it. And he'll continue. Oh yeah, Cubs fans are dumb, man. We are not the we are not very smart. <laughs> no, no, we'll boo our own players, uh, you know. Out of success, you know, like remember Carlos Marmol, not to completely change the subject. He was one of the best pitchers ever. He had a couple bad outings. Everybody started booing him and he never pitched well again. You know, it's just like, um, yeah, we're not we're not smart when it comes to that stuff. But um, yeah, he beat us. He beat us fair and square. And, you know, I see a lot of people being like, oh, yeah, but look at Yard Gomes. And listen, I don't know what's going on with Yard Gomes because this That's is a good insane. Month. He's having a good month. <laughs> Maybe of his life, though. It reminds me of Pujols last year. I'm like, what are they letting these guys take? You know, I'm just back, just back there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, Wilson Contreras does not fit on the current iteration of this Chicago Cubs team as they are constructed. He has, yeah, he has way too much character, and he's way too interesting to be on this Cubs team. Yep. Uh, did you see him and Morel hug? I that was my favorite moment of the whole thing, and like. I actually wrote about this. So I wrote a piece for Bleed Cubby Blue that, frankly, anybody who knows me knew I was going to write this piece about Wilson Contreras' return uh, to Wrigley Field. And most people appreciated it for what it was, which is one fan who cares more about Wilson Contreras than just about anything, writing about him coming back to her favorite team as a member of the hated rival. Um, And half of the people were like, what do you mean you still like Wilson Contreras? Al, you should fire Sarah because she's not a real Cubs fan. And I was like, okay. I don't think that's going to happen, but thank you. Um, oh, ball hawk, Dave. Always shouting out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope he hears the shout out. Um, no, but anyway, like, and I mentioned the morale piece of this because it was like, that is something I feel like is kind of missing from the Cubs this year. Like Christopher Morrell running up and jumping into Wilson's arms and like the reunion and like that type of fun stuff. That energy does not seem to exist in this Cubs dugout right now, right? Like they've got a, they've got a little like, hat that Nico found somewhere probably at like a secondhand clothing store that just looks like a hat that any grandfather has in their attic or something and like that's their celebration and I'm like I don't know man the Toronto Blue Jays made a jacket that has like patches of like tons of Canada stuff on it and that is wild and amazing and the Tampa Bay Rays have Randy Rosarena doing statue stuff and luchador masks and the Cubs have this hat that could have come from any secondhand store in Chicago Huh. I, I really just can't put my finger on the difference. Hmm. What could it possibly be? <clears throat> Cubs so white. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, yep. I, I don't want to make anything, but it's a homogenous group of like veteran guys in their thirties. They're all like travel ball boys from the United States. And so, you know, it, that's, that's just who they are. When you see them going up against a team that they are pretty evenly matched with, like, the Miami Marlins, 
you know, you see that those guys, they're, they're both 500 teams, like in their heart, but the Marlins are kind of more fun to watch. Like they've got a, a little bit more kind of pizzazz to their, their game, you know, um, they're not good. I don't think the Cubs are that good either, but they're a little dull. You know, so I'm working on a piece right now that'll probably be up on Friday morning because um, I doubt I'm going to get it ready to go before uh, the posting deadline on Thursday. But I'm working on a piece right now looking at the Cubs at the quarter mark. And honestly, Danny, I feel pretty like solid in my preseason prediction that this is right around like a 78 win team. <laughs> That's about what they are on pace for right now. As constituted, this team has moments where they might be slightly above 500 and moments where they are definitely below 500 and 78 wins feels exactly right, which is what, you know, not to be that girl, every prognosticator thought the Cubs would have when they looked at this team in the preseason. They're like, you go to baseball prospectus, they were like 74, 75 wins. You go to fan graphs, they were like 76, 77 wins. You go to anybody who does projections, they were like somewhere between 74 and 79 wins. And that kind of feels like what this Cubs team is. Well, this is one of the few teams that you can project because they all have a, a giant sample size. <laughs> you know, it's like Cody Bellinger. I mean, you could get a resurgence. You are getting a resurgence from Cody Bellinger, but that only means that he gets traded halfway through the year. You know, Absolutely. Although yes. they Carter Hawkins did the little dog and pony show and walked around and gave lip service to the um, non-true fact that the Cubs are going to even attempt with PCA in the in the waiting in the wings to lock up their entire outfield for five years. Like, yeah, well, right. Three years is what it you, is with Hatton. like you've got PCA, Brennan Davis, you've got Owen Casey, you've actually got outfielders coming up and you're like, we would like to sign Cody Bellinger to a long-term deal. Cody no. Bellinger, by the way, who is represented by Scott Boris, who the Cubs have, have the Cubs ever done an extension with a Boris client? Has anybody? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I don't think that's what happens. And it, it's, it, and it might be smart to do that. I mean, it, if you want the most money, which is these guys do, but um, you know, it's kind of that thought process of that. You'll never get a raise at your job that you're at, but you can move jobs to a different job and absolutely get more money. If you have a, you know, sought after skill uh, it's, it's the same idea, I think uh, as takes place in corporate America that, that by jumping ship um, and bringing your services elsewhere, um, you can get people to probably overpay sometimes because you have instead of just going to the one team that's vying for your services, you got 29 other teams and one of those billionaires is going to screw up, <laughs> you know, like no doubt. Um, yeah. Now, can we, since we did talk about Wilson a little bit, we have to bring it back to him uh, real quick because we did not talk about the fact that Wilson has been demoted from his role as Cardinals catcher. And um, we don't know the details of this, but that's a pretty big deal. Um, what I, I think I'm here for the Cardinal, the, the you know, let him self-destruct as far as I'm concerned. But we did not talk about this, correct? No, we didn't. And I, let's talk about it right now. Um, I feel like this is just the Wilson Contreras show right now. Uh, there were three games that the Cubs played against the Cardinals. The Cubs won one, Wilson Contreras won one, the Cardinals won one. Um, but let's talk about the Wilson Contreras demotion thing, because here is what I find most interesting about all of this. One, 
I see this as a totally bonkers move on the part of the Cardinals. Like this is a PR disaster for them. It is a weird thing to do to try to like scapegoat your starting catcher who you just signed to a five-year $87 million deal as like the cause of your pitching sucking when honestly your pitchers just suck. Like, I'm sorry, Jack Flaherty hasn't been very good since 2019. And like when the guy is throwing to Kinsner, he still has like, he's throwing 88 part of the time and he's not answering any questions about fastball below in the post game. Cause he's like, well, I'm going to very, I know the art of pitching and I'm not going to talk about that anymore or whatever. Like Jack Flaherty, just not very good anymore. He's not very good with Kinsler behind the plate. He's not very good with Contreras behind the plate. He's just not very good at this moment in time. Michael is same thing. He's a pitch to contact dude. Who's always kind of been on a razor's edge. And wow, the shift rules and the pitch clock didn't play well with Miles Michaelis, who could have thunk it, right? Like Adam Wainwright is in his 40s. Like the the time was going to run out at some point in time. Perhaps it's just now. Like I just don't think that any of this is what you are things you can put on Wilson Contreras. And I will say I I have like three distinct uh, news ecosystems in my baseball Twitter because of the way that the things that I cover and where I write. So I've got like fantasy baseball Twitter. I've got national baseball Twitter and I've got Cubs Twitter, right? The only people who bought in on the like, yeah, it's because Wilson Contreras can't catch and that's why the Cardinals did this. Ha 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 was Cubs Twitter. And that's because that's the narrative that they have been fed by Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins and this Cubs front office for multiple seasons now. The national baseball writers, the fantasy writers, the people who cheer for the Cardinals all see this as scapegoating Wilson Contreras and as the front office having a public relations disaster on their hands. And the fact that they already did the like Tyler O'Neill PR disaster and Ali Marmol has not been very good with the media this season. And they just find it appalling that Wilson Contreras is being blamed for the Cardinals having no starting pitching and not having a plan to replace the game planning work that Yadi Molina was doing for them for 20 years. And frankly, shout out to the Cardinals fans, and there are more than one of them, who DM'd me or added me on Twitter to apologize for the way their organization is treating Wilson Contreras. <laughs> because I received those messages from Cardinals fans while Cubs fans were so busy gloating as if like, haha, this proves that Jed Hoyer is the smartest. It does not, people. You are being duped. Yeah, the, the victory laps from Cubs fans really about all of the Blue Friday guys is pretty frustrating. Like, you know, it's it it makes you want to point out like Javi's great week when it, when it happens be like, Oh, see or, this week, Javi's been on fire for like two weeks now. It's been great to watch. Go watch yeah. it. It's fun. Rizzo just having a hell of a year, you know, and all these guys are like, yeah, but he didn't take the money and you know, he could have been, and you know, none of that really matters to me. It's fine. They want it. You know, Jed wanted to make his own team and this is how it's going to be. But yeah, the Wilson stuff, it is really just a bad look when I find myself agreeing with, Cardinal fans more than Cubs fans about a situation and uh yeah and but oh my god am I here for the the St. Louis self-destruction if their team is gonna like become a a garbage organization that treats their players like crap and you know a situation where let's say uh the free agent coming up next year, any of the free agents are gonna be like well look what they just did to Wilson I'm not signing there that place is a is a garbage fire you know, great. Let, let the, let this reverberate and the repercussions live with them for a decade or more. I'm fine with it. At least the next half decade. Um, Wilson's a fine catcher. 
he's average. He's a great hitting catcher and he's got speed, which most catchers don't have. And then, um, you know, he's got that fight. great arm, great, great arm. arm and amazing pop time. He's never had a problem throwing runners out. Is he the world's best pitch caller? Probably not. Is Jan Gomes the world's best pitch caller? Also not. Like, I, I'm <laughs> just like, you know, Yadi Molina was good. really good at game planning. If you were going to have, a, and I, it, God, it pains me to give Yadi Molina props on this podcast. So we're just going to have to stop this really soon. But like, Yadi Molina was very good working with pitchers and knew his pitchers incredibly well. And the, the real downside here is not like, Wilson Contreras lost his job because he can't possibly be Yadi Molina. It's that the Cardinals failed to figure out how to replace that knowledge in their system when they lost their multiple all-star starting catcher and decided that, and, and honestly, I'll just make a prediction right now. I think Wilson will catch for the Cardinals again this season. I don't know how long it will take, maybe three weeks, maybe four. It sounds like the game plan in St. Louis is that Wilson's going to hang out with the pitching coach during innings so that they can talk through like why would you throw this here why would you throw that here like what about a curveball here what about a cutter like what's your plan here right so they can like get a handle on why they would do different things in different situations which frankly sounds pretty smart to me um and wish we we would do crap like that like yeah that's a great idea right like teach a guy how to teach a guy your pitch calling ways but like don't be duped cubs fans kinsner is not like Jack Flaherty was not good the other day. His ERA was still terrible. He still lost Velo later in the game. And the only reason he walked like five guys, the only reason the Cubs did not beat Jack Flaherty is because they failed to capitalize with runners in scoring position. 20 on base (laughs) in that game against Jack Flaherty. They had him on the ropes over and over and over and over. Instead, they hit into double plays and struck out at inopportune times. And when they did get a big hit, it was with nobody on base. So they just, you know, so yeah, you're right. Yeah. And yeah. And Wilson wasn't up there. The only game that was pitched well was the Michaelis game for the Cardinals because even their ace, uh, seemingly ace, Jordan Montgomery, who's he's the one who's been doing pitching the best, he wasn't very good. I mean, it we beat him. I mean, we beat the pants off of him. So, um, yeah, so it, so that's why you see the, the Cardinals fans turning around being like, well, actually, <laughs> it's not Wilson's fault. Like, maybe just look at your freaking garbage rotation and realize that no matter who the catcher is, it's, you know, that's something you maybe should have upgraded this offseason. But they probably figured they could, you know, win every game 10 to 8 because you got, you know, the corner outfield or the corner of the uh, infield Goldschmidt, spots. Goldschmidt, Arenado, yeah. yeah. They've, got, they've got a really potent outfield out there, and now they've got a great hitting catcher slash designated hitter and Wilson yeah. Contreras. I mean, the last thing that I will say about this in terms of the starting pitching stuff and the catcher, like, soft skills and everything, um, I just want to direct everyone, Rates and Barrels, which is a podcast that The Athletic hosts, uh, Eno Saris and – Derek Van Riper were talking about the Contreras stuff. I want to say two days ago, whenever, whatever day it happened, they, they basically kick off the show with it. There's like this 15 minute riff where Eno, who is probably one of the smartest dudes in all of baseball in terms of talking about stats and what they mean and how they work and why they work that way, uh, breaks down the impact catcher game calling can have in game. And he looks at old studies and like who the best guys were in terms of planning games and what. And and the catcher that he calls out is AJ Ellis. I don't know if you remember him. It was Clayton Kershaw's personal catcher out in LA who was like the guy for game calling and like making sure that, you know, 
every, you maximize every pitch, you maximize every call, yada, yada. And he, he puts out this stat for like how AJ Ellis is like the best at doing this in the last 10 years or whatever. And you know how many games won that was worth to the Dodgers? One, Danny, one <laughs> game. So the guy who was the best at it in like the last decade, like all these soft skills that you all are convinced is like the reason the Cardinals are 10 games out of the division or whatever. It, he got one game, like one win above the other guys. So I just feel like everybody who's spouting off about all these like catcher soft skill things like, oh, but it's the game calling, it's the targeting, it's the this, it's the that. You should realize the impact that those things have on a baseball game is relatively small because the pitcher still has to throw the pitch. The hitter still has to hit the pitch. The umpire is still doing things and all of the fielders are doing things too. So I just really feel like people go listen to that. Allow it to inform the way that you think about catchers and soft skills in the game. And that is, and honestly, Danny, can we just talk about the non Wilson Contreras parts of this? I feel like Wilson has done his job here. He has taken all of the air in St. Louis and Chicago. He's taken all of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's a showman. I mean, yeah, no, he he took it all. And, um, hey, he led his team to a series victory at his old ballpark. And so you got to tip your hat to that because, uh, frankly, the Cubs offense was just sputtering the first couple of games of this this uh, series. And it would have been nice to have Wilson Contreras in the middle of our lineup. Maybe it would have ended up with a Cubs sweep. Um, I am happy to see that, you know, we talked about Morrell being up and, Mervis, they sent they sent back Amaya now at this point um, because Although they sent him to Iowa, not right. back to Tennessee, which props to Amaya. He was great while he was here. Talk about a kid who looked really strong. Um, I was a little nervous about him getting called straight up from double A and he looked legit, man. I am I am here for stay healthy, Miguel Amaya. Go do great things in Iowa. We'll see you soon. Yeah. And so they're they're turning over the roster a little bit and they've they're definitely trying new things. Unfortunately, like Eric Hosmer is still batting six in the DH spot and crap like that. But um, I, I have also seen a lot more people start to question Ross's abilities as manager and that some of the in-game decisions and the, some of the lineup decisions. And I don't think we're privy to know like what goes to talk about game planning, what goes into planning those these games like for example like one weird thing and it was pointed out to me that christopher morell has been playing center field in the minor leagues he has not been playing the infield at all even though for years he was known pretty much exclusively as a third baseman but he played all the infield spots played short and second last year too um so uh anyway but for whatever reason, Nick Madrigal, who's always been known as a second baseman, they're having him play third all the time. So in that game, because Nico is unfortunately day-to-day, he's still day-to-day, right? They didn't put him on the IL because of the hammy. Um, anyway, it, they they put Morel at uh, second, and they put Madrigal at third. So you have a third baseman playing second, a second baseman playing third. Now, it worked out fine for the most part, like even – you know, Nikki uh, made a nice little play uh, over there at third base, but it wasn't a play that other third basemen can't make. The difference is he's got to make it really fast and everything has to go exactly right because he does not have a strong enough arm. Uh, he doesn't have a strong enough, uh, a strong arm like Morel does or Contreras does, who also used to play third base. And, uh, you know, that's what you kind of need. Uh, wisdom has a stronger arm. Um, you know, a lot of questions about sitting wisdom, a lot of questions about how's we're playing at all. Um you know, because that's where a lot of your double plays are coming from. That game when they left 20 on base, your four, five, and six hitters 
were the problem in that game. Well, and specifically, like, why is Eric Hosmer in one of those? Like, why is Eric Hosmer yeah. in the middle of this lineup at all? Like, I, Maddie Wood, who is a fantasy contributor for FTN Fantasy and who's in one of my league mates in GLARP, which is part of the Earth Network for Fantasy Baseball, and I were talking about this on Twitter, like, putting Hosmer before Mervis and Morell in the lineup defeats the purpose of having Mervis and Morell in your lineup. <laughs> yeah, that like, makes what are a you lot doing? Yeah, that may, I mean, ex exactly. It's like, and, and maybe you want to hide the rookies. I guess that's the idea behind it. Cause if you think about it in those terms, like the lineup makes sense. Um, Cause like the bottom of the lineup, Mervis, Morel, Amaya. Okay. Well, let's hide the rookies. Let's not let them play. But I feel like Ross just hates rookies. Like, I think so old, too. Yeah. He's an old curmudgeon man. He's like, these guys have earned their way to tap in the lineup. No, but I agree. I think love, love anything as much as David Ross loves an old grizzled veteran at the end of his career. Yeah. But you know, you have Hosmer one for four Suzuki. zero for three uh, or over two. I mean, they each took walks Bellinger over three. I mean, Bellinger's been doing fine, but what, but my point is that was your problem that in that game and Suzuki, like, I don't know what it's going to take to get him dropped down the lineup because it's, it's not going great. And he's not, I mean, he's taken some weird swings too that I'm like, man, is he, he it's like doesn't even he looked lost to me, you know. Um uh you know, they've faced some tough pitching, but that's that's baseball. <laughs> You're gonna face tough pitching as a freaking major leagues. Like, what do you want it to be easy? He just you know, I and you know, we all want Suzuki to succeed. That's not the issue, but you know, the lineup construction, just like I know it all drove us crazy, Joe Madden's thing of every day it was a different thing, but hey. You know, does quit doing it this way every time because we're under five hundred. We just lost two or three to the Cardinals. We've been losing. Yeah, you know, the last lost three weeks. to the Marlins, lost three or four to the Nationals, two or three to the Cardinals. Yeah. Like it is, it is kind of bleak over there. And I, you know, it, there are ways for this team to win more baseball games, and they require honestly, it's two sets of decisions that Joe Ma or Joe Madden <laughs> that David Ross keeps making that are kind of driving me batty. One is. Hosmer coming up in like the six, the six spot with the bases loaded. I agree with you on Saya. I think that Saya looks like to me, he is um, trying to make an adjustment at the plate and he's mid adjustment and he's just, he's getting caught in between on things. That's why he has all those bad swings. It's why he doesn't have like, he's missing stuff that's on the corners. It, it just feels like he's in the middle of something. And once he comes out on the other side, he'll be great. But for a moment, he, he looks a little lost. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that is kind of maddening that I just don't get at all at the moment are bullpen decisions. Like I, Javier Assad in game one, was it game one or game two that he pitched in when he came in game on the back, back end of the tie on yeah. game was dealing and he gave you five innings of spectacular relief work. And there was no reason to bring him out for the ninth inning and not let somebody try to just close out that game. Right. Like you, sh they, they should have had somebody fresh to close out that ninth inning. You, I understand he was only at 48 pitches. I understand he had just been dealing, but like he didn't need to throw a sixth inning, right? Like take the five innings of great relief work you got from Javier Assad and let Adbert or Boxberger or Leiter or somebody come in and close down that game with a different look. Yeah, pass the torch at that point. You're at the, th and it's just the old third time through the order. It's, and everybody knows that the batting averages almost across the board go way up. 
for everybody's third time through the order for a starting pitcher. So that is why you see guys only going five, six on the regs, unless you're an elite pitcher. Javier Assad is not an elite pitcher. He did his job that day. You're absolutely right to make him wear that loss. And it went bad right away. Like, like the first Elite, or second. First pitch. First pitch. Was it the I first don't know. Pitch? I yeah. don't know if it was the first pitch. I just remember watching it. It was like Newbar DeJong or something just like hammered a home run. First yeah. two. I was like, and we're done. That's it. Think, the Cardinals are going to win this baseball game because Javier Assad is still in the game for hashtag reasons. Yeah. Well, and that's the idea of him playing a beat behind uh, some of these decisions like he's waiting for the game to happen to him and then he reacts as opposed to having some sort of foresight as to how this might look we don't we're not privy to any of the information about people's availability or something but you have quite a few pitchers down there they can't all be unavailable because at that point you you'd only used two right you know so and then so in the end you, you end up giving up the game. And I don't think he had anybody ready, by the way, because not only did no, nobody was nobody was up. Yeah, nobody was even up. And that's right there just shows how behind you are. Because, Which is why the Cardinals got a home run, a triple and a double before a pitcher came in because they had to quickly warm up. I think it was Rucker or something. Rucker. It was Rucker and a strikeout, by the way. He, he gave up. Assad gave up the home run, the triple, the double. And then the guy still wasn't warm and then got the, and then had a strikeout and then Rucker came in. I'm like, Oh, Assad puts it back together. And now you take him out. It's too late now. Yeah. That was, that was so unfortunate from multiple angles. And I was just, it was frustrating to watch because honestly, Javier Assad did a great job. Somebody else should have come in and then the Cubs should have had an opportunity to try to take the lead. And I, and they didn't, they lost that opportunity because the cart, they just handed the Cardinals third time through the order. Assad. Uh, we need to take a quick break for our sponsors. I think we, we've hashed out everything we can hash out from this Cardinal series. Hasta la vista, Redbirds. We'll see you in London. Um, on the flip side, we're going to talk about a series against the Minnesota Twins that kicks off in Minnesota on Friday. Uh, we might also talk a little bit about quarter grades for this team, but this podcast is already running a little bit long, so we might save quarter grades for the next pod. I don't know. We'll see how Danny and I are doing on time, but first, a quick break. All right, Danny, uh, it is Minnesota o'clock. Minnesota is leading an absolutely terrible AL Central. Uh, I actually I saw somebody post the AL East standings and the AL Central standings. Every team in the AL East from first to last has a record over 500, and all of them would be in first place in the AL Central if they played in that division instead of playing yeah. in the AL East because the AL Central is very bad. But the AL Central exists and the Minnesota Twins are leading it and the Cubs are going to face off against them. What do you see in these probable pitcher matchups? It looks like we've got Drew Smiley against uh, Sonny Gray, Hayden Wisniewski against Joe Ryan and Marcus Stroman against Louis Bartland. Well, Smiley, he's just he's been great. The near perfect game. And then, um, you know, just a just the what one or two rough outings this year is all. Wisniewski, he was great last time he went out there. You're just hoping he builds on that, make himself a solid uh, dude in this rotation. And Stroman, well, he's going to pitch his ass off, and then the Cubs aren't going to score. So like that's how that's going to go for him. Um, but once there's another dude that's probably on the trade block if this team stays 500 um, just because of he, he's in a quote-unquote well, option year, not a walk year. But, um, but Gray's been pitching great this year. 
Sonny Gray. Um, the other two guys I'm not really familiar with at all because we never played the Twins. But um, Sonny Gray's been around for a long time, and he's having him. He's probably leading this staff, wouldn't you say? I don't know who else they have. Uh... Well, you know, it's actually a really interesting uh, rotation over here. So Joe Ryan is probably the pitcher who has been most impressive from like an ERA standpoint and from a strikeout standpoint. He has a he has a funky fastball that players really struggle to pick up, um, and so he's he's got like. A 2.45 ERA. I guess Sonny Gray has a better ERA at the moment, but he has a ton of strikeouts. Joe Ryan's just, he's got a really funky look to him. And I'm excited to see what, if anything, the Cubs can do with that. And then this kid, Louis Varlin, just came up and he's had one good start, one bad start, but he's kind of like, you know, one of these top pitching prospects. I'm not going to lie. I'm very intrigued by all of these pitching matchups in Minnesota. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking at their stats here too. Yeah, Sonny Gray with a 135 earned run average, 47 strikeouts in 40 innings pitched. So this might be an actual legitimate first place team. They've got decent um, starting pitching. It looks like even if some of it is pretty young, their bullpen is quite pretty average though. I was looking at that, and there's really nothing too special about it. Um, the uh, the hitting too. They've got some weird. Uh, they are one. They have one of the lowest OPSs in the majors. Uh, you know, they're in the the bottom third of the league, but they're in the top third of the league in home runs. So, h- how do you manage to do that? Well, I'll tell you. You just don't get on base any other way. <laughs> like you just their OBP is last in the major leagues, last, which is kind of surprising <laughs> for a you know to to have such specific skills i guess you could say in what you're what you're bringing to the table um um no i'm sorry it, they're not last in obp i i was like that didn't sound right they were last in something else but i'm i'm missing it i must have had some sort of uh they're 10th in obp so that's different can we cut this part out <laughs> oh, no, wait. i'm sorry no maybe they are last in obp i'm looking at 2023 um yeah they're third to last in obp 300 um, they are lasting in batting average, 220. That's what they're last in. And that's weird because their OPS is also low, but they're high in home runs. So it's, I don't know, feast or famine with these guys. It's its kind of one of those things that you can't make hide nor hair of. But Well, let's actually jump to the hot, uh, cold hitters part of the Twins portion of this because I think that's where we can make a little bit of – What's going on here? I agree with I agree with you that Minnesota's offense has not been very good this year. It has not been particularly uh, consistent, and that's partially because they haven't really gotten a ton from the guys they're supposed to get a lot from, right? Like, so Carlos Correa has been struggling for most of the season so far. He's kind of it's just been a slow start for him. Joey Gallo hasn't done very much this year. Um, he's supposed to be a big home run bat for them as well. Christian Vasquez has not been particularly great so far this year offensively so I just feel like the twins are waiting to heat up and hopefully they won't heat up before they play the Cubs yeah I think it's I can blame it all on Joey Gallo these weird numbers because he's batting 182 uh, but he's got an 834 OPS <laughs> so it's like you'd look at the OPS you'd be like oh, I was having an okay year but then you look at the 182 and you're like oh he's not doing anything but hitting a home run every now and again well um, he's always been that dude though Joey Gallo is a high true. on base percentage high power guy but he's he's been struggling a bit this season, and I think that that has made him, you know, it's just a weird lineup when you have a bunch of guys who are supposed to give you power and they're not giving you power. 
Um, it's kind of like the opposite of the Cubs lineup in some ways. Yeah, and they picked up Christian Vasquez too, which was somebody that was on the Cubs radar this year to possibly catch for us. And he's and he was once again not never somebody who was going to bring a lot of offense to the table, but it's been he's their according to OPS, he's their fifth worst hitter like next to Nick Gordon, who I've never really heard of, um, but he's doing terribly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been not really uh, the best for the twins offensively. They only have three guys who qualify in the last two weeks for our hot bat section. Uh, As a reminder, that is the last two weeks of guys who have had at least 20 plate appearances with a WRC plus above 110. And the only guys who have done that for them are Max Kepler, Brian Buxton and Nick Gordon. Um, so, you know, that's, that's interesting for them, but they're sitting at 152, 151 and 146 respectively. Uh, they've got a ton of guys who are sitting below that mark at the moment. And so it's one of those situations where, you know, when you've got Jorge Polanco with a WRC plus of 52 and you've got Christian Vasquez with a WRC plus of negative 10, I mean, that's just really rough for them. Yeah. Yeah. But they're in first place. We're not. So no, the Cubs are not in first place. The Pirates are in first place despite having lost like nine of 10 games because nobody in the central wants to challenge the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're just going to let the Pirates run away with this division. However, the Cubs do have some guys who have been hot in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Dansby Swanson, it has a WRC plus of 162 over the last two weeks and change. Ian Happ uh, sitting at 157. Patrick Wisdom, who can't buy a spot in the lineup because Eric Hosmer is playing as designated hitter for hashtag reasons, has a WRC plus of 147. And Cody Bellinger has kind of cooled off of late, but he's still got a WRC plus over the last two weeks of 117. And then it's a struggle, like just like a lot of struggle. Eric Hosmer, 83. Seiya Suzuki, 79. Nico Horner, who has been hurt admittedly a little bit, down at 47. Nick Madrigal at 41. Tucker Barnhart at 28. And Matt Mervis has not really lived up to the promise that we were hoping for from him, but it's still early and we'll give him some time to acclimate. Currently has WRC plus over the last two weeks of 16. Wow. Christopher Morrell does not qualify for this leaderboard yet. So we'll talk about him next. No, week. he will though. If he keeps hitting like he's hitting um, and, and Jan Gomes too, he'll be back. Right. Just yeah. Think- Jan, Jan's on fire, man. He was in this leaderboard until he had to take some time off. Yeah. Yeah. Jan will be your first 400 hitters <laughs> since Ted Williams or something like that. Um, I think that's Luis Arias, but sure. Yeah, probably. I, I would put more money on Arias. Yeah. We, I, I would like to talk about Patrick Wisdom really quick and some stuff that I've kind of heard about him. And yeah, go for his, it. His skills um, that he he can uh, turn around the soft stuff against lefties really well. Like that is one of his greatest uh, achievements and skills that he brings to the table. And that power pitchers oftentimes overmatch him. And uh, from, you know, depending uh, from either side of uh, throwing from as either a lefty or a righty. And that righties kind of eat him up in general. So, you know, Patrick Wisdom, to, and I agree, like he'd still be better than Hosmer. And I also think that Ian Happ should probably stop hitting right-handed as well. So, you know, things like that. But, um you know, when you take his specific skill, like I think they're using him pretty well. So it's easy to say, I think, oh, you got to put him out there. You know, he he hits home run like every other game he plays. That's pretty much true. He's leading the team with home runs, but he's not even close with leading it in at bats. 
Yeah, but he's second in the majors in home runs right now. Like he, it's not just like he's leading the team in home runs. And I, you may be right about the usage of Patrick Wisdom that he is part of the reason he's doing so well is that the Cubs are using him in the right spots. That's not a reason that Eric Cosmer should be the designated hitter right. while Trey Mancini is on the bench. I mean, I just, I'm so over the Eric Cosmer designated hitter experience. Like there are other better options for the Cubs and any day that Eric Hosmer is in the lineup while one of Trey Mancini, Christopher Morrell, or Patrick Wisdom is on the, on the bench feels like a loss to me. Yeah, um, I agree. At least Wisdom, I'm looking at it here. He's got more ABs this year than Hosmer does. Like, quite a few. So at least, like, we don't have to be mad about that. But, it, you know, I just... I don't know if he would have hit more home runs with the matchups being what they are. You also, now you need playing time for Morel. I mean, Morel, there's no, there's no reason ever to play Nick Madrigal, for example. Like that's what it was kind of making me mad about the other night when they, not only did they make Nick Madrigal play third base, well, a third baseman played second base in Chris, Christopher Morel, but you didn't even see Patrick wisdom in this game. Like there was no, are you telling me there was no situation in a tie ball game against the St. Louis Cardinals to use Patrick wisdom? It, there was no spot that he would have been a better choice than Nick Madrigal or Eric Hosmer. That's what you're telling me. Cause that does not compute. So I agree. So there's that situation as well. Um, but yeah, using using wisdom skills to what they should be, it's just going to provide success for him and for the team. But but yeah, it, it had to his skills, even though they might diminish under cer certain circumstances, they're still better than what Nick Madrigal is bringing to the table at that situation. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, solo shot puts you up in that game. Madrigal's incapable. Hosmer is close to incapable because he hits the ball down. And guess what? The fences are up. <laughs> so, just saying. It just, none of it. And this all goes, comes back to what we were just talking about with uh, Grandpa Lossie. Uh, Rossi. Sorry. I always get, always uh, mispronounce that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I already, I already explained what my biggest gripes with, uh, David Ross's management style are right now. I feel like he'll always play the grizzled veteran over the young hand. And he doesn't like, he doesn't appreciate that when Nelson Velasquez is on fires, putting him on the bench for two days is not a good idea. Like, I don't even care if you promised Eric Hosmer, he was going to play Wednesday and Thursday, like get over it and let Nelson Velasquez hit. Um, but that his mom, plus his mom's at the game. Eric's mom's here. <laughs> Everybody's going to bat today. It's like running like a little league team. Dude, I cannot. Um, <laughs> you know, we're probably going to need to leave quarter grades until the next podcast, but that's okay because I'm looking at the Cubs record right now. They've played 37 games, and by the time we get through this Minnesota series, they will be at exactly 40 games, which will be closer to the quarter mark anyway. So so next time we'll talk about how we feel this Cubs team has done through one quarter, yes, 25% of the baseball season so far, but in the meantime, Danny, if people want to hear your takes on the twin series or how you're feeling about Wilson Contreras leaving town, uh, where can they find you and your work? Well, check this out. So Friday, May 12th is my birthday. And so what I'm doing is at 6 PM, right before the twins game is going to start, we're going to do a little Sun Ranto show 
slash Twins preview. And then if you're a Patreon member for the Cubs Patreon, which I know you are, Sarah, um, it, then you can come hang out with us on the Discord as we all watch the game together on my birthday. Now, and it only just happens to be my birthday. This was not, this is not my birthday party, but um, your birthday I, present is a game against the twins. It is a game against the twins where I watch online uh, with a bunch of strangers. No, it's um, no, the, uh, the, the thing is, is that I'm, I've got a show at Trapdoor theater opening up next Thursday and it's called Bowie and Warsaw. And y'all should come see it. Cause it's this weird, cool Polish play from this Polish director. Um, and, uh, it's very cool. Anyway, I'm so busy right now that there is no Sun Ranto show this week, so we're we're doing this instead. We're going on Friday. We're having the pregame, the pregame, and then we're going to watch the game, and that's going to be the Sun Ranto show this week. And then we'll we'll be back uh, next week at some point. But um, yeah, at Sun Ranto on Twitter. That's a long way of saying at Sun Ranto at Twitter. Find everything I do there. I'll be hanging out at Danny's birthday party on Friday for sure. Looking forward to it. Would not uh, spend a Friday night. Any other way, you can find my work at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find my articles about the Chicago Cubs and what is going on uh, a quarter of the way through the season at bleedcubbyblue.com. And you can find both me and Danny talking about what's going on series by series here on Cup of Cubby Blue, part of the Bleacher Bunch Network. Search for Bleacher Bunch Network wherever you get your podcasts to find this and more content. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review and a rating. It helps other people find the show. Until next time, have a good one.